How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Locked On NBA. The coach, NBA coach, comes on the show anonymously, breaks down the playoffs, where we sit, all sorts of great conversation, and it's coming up next on Locked On NBA. Hi, I'm David Locke, host of Locked On NBA, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, founder of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have you... Subscribe to your local favorite team's NBA podcast yet. All right, here's the deal. I need, I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna ask you a favor and then I'm gonna do one for you. Here, I'm gonna mention our two sponsors today and then I'm not gonna have any interruption in the show. Um, and I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor. I, I would like you, if you could today, it takes a few minutes to go to podcast.study. Uh, there's a survey going on. They're, they're looking at a bunch of edits done by Edison and I'm not going to lie. Like I'm like, I'm not going to pretend like it's something. It's just, it's a survey of podcast listeners and it helps us in the industry a great deal. So if you could please go to podcast.study, take, I think it's going to take you five minutes. Uh, that'd be great. I really appreciate it. Uh, today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek, the number one place to buy tickets and get tickets to upcoming events. Go to SeatGeek on your app store or Google Play and download the app right now. And then enter in the promo code LOCKED and you get a $20 rebate on your first purchase. It's awesome because they compile all of the tickets in one location. Then they give everything a ticket score for you. And then it's secured and it's on your phone for you and easy for you to use. So that is SeatGeek, promo code LOCKED. Go to the settings tab. Promo code locked. Get that done uh, right now. And then our other sponsor today, I really want to thank, is Indochino. Indochino is the made-to-measure uh, suit company. I've talked about them before. Your promo code again is locked. Any premium suit for just three eighty-nine. It's so much better than a generic off-the-rack suit. It makes. Every man looks better in a suit, and you look a million times better and feel better if it's perfectly tailored to you. Now, you go through the process. Go to the showroom at Indochino.com. Pick your fabric. Pick your customization. Submit your measurements. Place your order and wait for it to arrive a few weeks later, and it's awesome. Uh, you get 50% off the regular price made-to-measure suit. You get shipping for free. Use the promo code LOCKED at Indochino.com. Premium suits are 389 and you'll be really impressed by the whole measurement process you go through and know uh, that you're really getting something unique to who you are. So Indochino.com. All right. Thank you very much. And really, really appreciate you going to uh, the podcast survey. That's that's helpful. It, it matters. Um, and it's kind of how the industry needs to advance to show people uh, its value. So thank you very much. That's podcast.study. Podcast.study. Let's do it with the coach. Coach joining us. And coach, this time of year, where do you want your team, particularly if it's a playoff team? So do you want everything clicking perfectly? 
Does it matter if you're the Cavaliers that are seemingly, you know, terrible and I don't know if they're falling apart? Does it matter if you're the Clippers and seemingly lacking focus? Does it matter if you're the, the Spurs and clicking on all cylinders? What's the truth on, you know, the old flipping a switch and whether it really matters how you are as a team right now? Um, it's a great question. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the, the, the state of your team. Um, you know, for instance, the Cavaliers have you know, been in the, you know the world champions and you know have have won it last year and played it in you know, several several games and they've been the hunted all year long. So I know that people make a lot about the you know the fact that they're out of first place right now in the East. Um, I would call it a little bit concerning um, if I was a coach, but I don't think I, I, I would be like panicking at this point. Um, but then you have you know somebody like the like the Jazz who are you know new into the playoffs and. I think they have a different set of goals, you know, for these last eight or nine games uh, as to how they get prepared uh, and try to figure out their rotation so they can go into the playoffs. So, you know, I just think it depends on the team. And I think at the end of the day, every coach, the goal is to have your team healthy, uh, as rested as possible for going through 82 games and uh, focused on the, on the, you know, the little things, tightening things up here and there. Uh, as you go into the playoffs and, and different teams have different approaches to doing that based on their personnel or and or their history of where they've been. The interesting one you mentioned there is rest, which is obviously a huge topic in the league right now. But the other angle on it is that after so the first round, you likely play Saturday and Sunday. And then depending how they do it, you usually play Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. And then you got to play Thursday or Friday and you play Saturday or Sunday. So, so you play, you know, you're going to play four games in probably somewhere in the range of seven games. And then it, if you actually make a seven-game series, you you probably play another three. So then you've played seven games in fourteen days or so, which is maybe a little less, but right right around there somewhere. But after that, then it starts to really spread out, particularly in the finals. And we talked about that uh, on the last podcast with Zach Harper, and, I, and we talked. If you go back and look at LeBron last year, like he'd played like seven games in a month or something crazy uh, at one point. So on the idea of rest. How long does a player's body need to get back to peak? Do you have? I mean, I know it's kind of a, a doctor's question, but what's your feeling as a basketball player? Like, you know what? Oh yeah. Oh, my guys look right again. In two days? Does it take three? Does it take one game in five? Like, what's your feeling on that? I think it depends on the player once again, um, but I, I do think that you know when we talk about rest this time of year. You, you, you might as well you might as well be saying slash don't get anybody hurt in the last eight games of the year because the one thing you don't want to do is <clears throat> push crazy to let's say we're going to get to you know one one seat higher um, and then you know in the middle of that you're pushing guys so hard that you get somebody hurt I, I think you know this time of year rest means a little bit different because you're right once you get in the playoffs you know you don't have any more back to backs you know you're you know for the most part and then you're playing every other day and you kind of get into a rhythm so. Um, I think big picture this time of year, you just don't want anybody hurt. You know, there's a difference between resting now and resting somebody back in January. Um, you know, when you just depending on, you know, when you're playing four games and six nights and you need to give a guy for the long-term health off. So, you know, I think the, the biggest thing is just not getting anybody hurt. And, you know, back to your point on the specific guys, how long does it take them to get back? A lot of it depends on their condition from when they, you know, for where they started, uh, as opposed to, you know, if they were in great shape when they started – um, you know, they bounce back pretty quickly. But if somebody, you know, had an injury or, you know, or just wasn't in great shape to start, it usually takes them a little bit longer to bounce back. It's a great point. One thing I keep hearing more and more about in this league is guys, 
you know, what their maintenance is during the season is probably the under-talked about things. You know, you can start the season in great shape, but you get a little nick here or there, so you stop, you know, you sit out again, and all of a sudden you haven't done anything in five days, right? Then you play a few games, now your body's sore and beaten up, then you sit out, you haven't done, you don't do anything for four, and it's this, you know, it's a cycle uh, that I think, you know, is worth mentioning. Play calling-wise, Coaches, do you hide things? Do you show new things? Are there any gamesmanship things that you think coaches do this time of year? Uh, I, I, you know, I would be lying if I said no, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think some coaches, when they, you know, because right now, you know, there's still a lot of variance in where players, where teams could end up in the in the playoffs. You know, from you know some, you know, like. For instance, you know, team can end up like third seed or sixth seed a lot of times, and either, especially in the East right now, because it's all over the place. Maybe not third, but um, so I, I think you do show a little bit uh, just to mess with people. Um, but and I think it may come down to the end if they know that, like say, let's say for instance that you know the you know the Houston knows they're going to play OKC. Um, you know they well OKC may do a couple things just to kind of you know send their scouts, you know, so the coaches have to think about something different while they're preparing for them. Um, but I don't think it's that big a deal. I think at this point getting your team in the right place um, is in an understanding, you know, where the ball has to go and, you know, who's going to get their shots uh, is more important than uh, maybe just showing some things just to kind of trick with the other team. When you look at uh, Houston and OKC, uh, Utah and the Clippers, uh, Memphis and assuming Portland, I guess at this point, any of those teams seem to you as better playoff seat teams than regular season teams? Um, you know, the one I would I would you know, probably just be scared of because I think they're going to be a little bit desperate, even though they've been so inconsistent. Um, is maybe the Clippers? Um, you know, the, if if they could get it right, which you know, that's a whole other discussion, right? So, um, but you know, if they could get it right. You know they've got they've got the talent, um, you know, to, to get on a roll in the playoffs. Um, I do think, and, and you know, you, this is a different conversation, but I do think the Houston Rockets, you know, if, if they can continue to compete defensively the way they play, they're, they're going to be a hard out. It'll be interesting, you know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I see them making a deep run in the playoffs. All right. So the un. Uh, let's see. I don't want to. Let's see. I got to phrase. My, I, look at me being careful with my words. This never happens. Um, <laughs> the easy comment is that Houston's system doesn't work. They're who I want to play in the playoffs. My, my comment, uh, particularly in case of the Jazz, I know a lot of Jazz fans. Oh, we've beat them twice. We should play them. The Jazz had to have like uh, offensive ratings of over a hundred and twenty to beat them both times. Which and I'm like, okay, that's pretty hard to replicate, particularly in the playoffs. Uh, what is it? Why did you just say that you think Houston is going to be a hard out when I think most people are taking the easy route on that and saying, no, no, I want to. Oh, oh the Houston's, you know, Houston's a team you want to play in the playoffs. Why do you feel differently? Um, well, first of all, you know, they, they score. And if you go back and look, you know, defense wins. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, we can, we can talk about that as we get into the playoff stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, Houston just has the ability to score. At such a rate, and you know the game does slow down a little bit in the playoffs. Um, you know, but they're they're playing at such a nice a nice pace and nice rate. It'll slow down a little bit, but they're still going to shoot the threes, and they still have but four of the top ten three point makers in the regular season. Uh, so they're still going to make those. And the one thing people don't really about realize about Houston is 
you know, their defensive rating is <clears throat> right at midway of the, of the league. They're 17th. So it's not like, you know, in years past when, you know, maybe they were, you know, top two or three offensively, um, especially with D'Antoni's teams, and then bottom two or three defensively. Uh, Jeff Lizdelic in Houston has done a great job. And, uh, you know, for the season, like I said, they're ranked 17th right now. And I believe, I haven't checked it lately, but I believe their uh, their pick-and-roll defense is like pushing the top 10. So if you put those two things together, there's a combination for the way they play offensively and their defense isn't just atrocious, that they're going to be a hard out. Interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll go back to that in a second. Uh, let me go back to the team you mentioned before then. I, I, and I don't, I'm, not, I'm just going to just kind of leave you a blank question because to me this is the most fascinating story in the NBA. I, I, maybe Cleveland's play right now is is more so but and we'll but I think the Clippers and just kind of where they are like are do they do they like what's your just give me your thoughts I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll lead the conversation afterwards but your feeling about where the Clippers are right now what you're seeing out of them as a team um <laughs> inconsistency <laughs> Um, obviously, I don't think anybody knows it's not in that locker room what you know what what the the reason that they could you know look great on certain nights and then you know blow a fifteen point lead with five minutes to go against the Sacramento Kings who are not playing for anything the next night um you know, so there's something you know whether it be with chemistry culture <clears throat> uh, you know I, I obviously like I said unless we're in the locker room we don't know um you know but having said that, I've also seen teams that have kind of been like that. And they are still very talented, um, and they get out in the playoffs and they get on a run. You know, you, you have a smaller window in the playoffs, and you have a bit of desperation. And you know, I think there's some sense of urgency with that team that you know, if it doesn't work out in the playoffs, then they may look to, you know, go a different direction with some of those things. So, I, I can't un- I can't understand how they are playing the way they are now. now. If you remember way back early in the year, they were just having some incredible numbers and playing great. Uh, then they had some injuries, and they just, you know, for whatever reason, they've just never gotten back to where they were. Um, but having said that, with a team that's as talented as they are uh, and some of the great players they have, you know, when you get into the playoffs, it, it's a different beast. And, you know, the, the, the sports talk and the ESPN, everybody talks about the regular season, and the regular season's wonderful. Um, and there's a there's a different angle to being great in the regular season as it is to being great in the, in the playoffs. And the – the guys of the Clippers, they've been there and done that, and it'll be interesting to see. They they could really get hot. Um, you know, the the view from 20,000 feet looks like they won't just because they're kind of inconsistent and a wreck. Uh, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it past them because there is a bit of desperation. I, I just look at this, and I can't, I can't figure out how they're going to react to this. So if they get down 2-1 in a, in a first-round playoff series – or even just to start a playoff series. This should be their main mindset, but maybe they're so cocky they don't think this. Blake Griffin has got to go to the arena that night, driving from his gorgeous house wherever he lives in Southern California, saying, oh, my God, if we don't win today, i got to move. Right? <laughs> right? Like, if they get knocked out in the first round, they're not re-signing Blake Griffin. Or they're not re-signing Chris Paul. Like, they're not bringing the same team back if they get knocked out in the first round. So, like, when they're driving to the arena in their Bentley or Lamborghini or whatever it is with a top down and 80 degrees and women in bikinis and L.A. just being golden, like, does, 
Do they like each other enough? Do they believe in each other enough to, like, fight to make that thing still live? I, it's an incredible story. I, I agree. And I, I think, once again, it's probably something more that uh, the sports talk guys and people would think more about. I, I don't think Blake Griffin, as he's driving with his uh, convertible down to that game, uh, is thinking that that may be his last game and not being received. He's thinking he's going to go, going to go win the game. I just know how pro athletes are. He's saying we're going to go win the game, and then we're going to go to wherever we're playing and win that game, and then come back here and win it, and then we're going to advance on. You really don't think I they're agree so? You. you don't really you don't uh, fascinating. So you don't think that the Clippers are daily aware of their situation that that franchise is on the verge of being not resigned. I I think they're aware, but I think as players, when you're Maybe on an off day, but when you're going to play a game, you don't you don't think about that stuff. Those guys are driving the game, going to to win the game, and they 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 are one so good and have such a confidence level that you know they're down down two one or three one. They they think they can come back. That's just the way these great players are. I, I, and I, I love that. I'm being around them. I love that that attitude because if if all America had that, we'd probably be in a lot better place. So if uh, let's take a player. Let's take a player that doesn't have quite the resume of a Blake Griffin. And let's say they're nicked up pretty good. They got they got something. We'll call it a lower body since those injuries seem to have more impact. So you've got a player who's got a lower body thing. He's heading toward free agency for the, well, let's call it for the first time in their career. Like, let's just make it all there. You don't think that guy, that player is thinking about his free agency as he goes to the arena in the final 20 games of the year. Well, no, you're talking about the playoffs being down two to one. David. All right, okay. Uh, All right. All right, great. I, I would be naive to say that, you know, the guys like in that situation, and really all, all the guys, right, are, but guys in that situation are not thinking about free agency. But, you know, they are thinking about i got to play great and our team's got to win to help my free agency. So, um, like I said, I'd be naive to think that they, they're not thinking that. But you're, you're, okay. your, your question was about Blake Griffin and being down two to one driving to the arena. So you're so in other words, there's a point in this process where those thoughts go away. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Really, really, really interesting. All right. What is your as someone who's who's coached in the league? What's your concern level on Cleveland? Um, I, I would say uh, on a scale of one to ten, about a three. Um, if I was them and. You know, Dave, you're the numbers guy, and all the NBA people in the NBA know this, that, you know, defense, you know, the teams, for the most part, teams that are in the top half of the league of defense, you know, win championships, right? I think, uh, was it 06 was the last time somebody, was that when the uh, was that when the Heat won? They were not in the top half of the uh, league defensive rating. I think so. So Cleveland's defensive rating in the last 15 is 29th. Um, and overall, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's 22nd for the year. So, you know, they would be an outlier if they were to go and win this championship. And you know, the one thing too that is is uh, I marvel at, and I've seen it over and over again, is the stress and the exhaustion that it takes to try to repeat uh, in a uh, as, as a championship. You know, even if you're doing it in junior high, it's just hard. But when you're doing it in the NBA, you know, Cleveland and LeBron's been in six straight finals. Cleveland's been you know, the champion, and, you know, they, with LeBron and the guys they've had, they've had the attention for the last few years. Every game they play, teams get up for them. And it's just exhausting trying to get back to where you can win a championship back-to-back. I guess the Lakers did, what, back in 09 and, and 10, but we haven't had one since then. And it, So I, I think that's kind of taken a toll on them. 
Um, you know, but the you know their offense is still ranked great, but the you know their defense would not be in the top half. So and they're not going to pull it up in the top half in the last eight games. So if they go in to win a championship, they'll be a little bit of an outlier as far as the defensive rules, uh, defensive uh, thoughts goes on the defensive rating. Uh, though you made the point earlier, as much as def- offense actually wins championships, not defense. Now you've got to play some defense. You can't be bad, but if you actually go look at the last few years, offense is a bigger yep. indicator of the winning than defense. Yes, and if you look at the teams right now ranked in their best offensive ratings, they're they're all the the five or six teams you would think would actually have a chance of of winning the winning it. So yes, defense is very important. Don't get me wrong, but you also have to score. The other one is you so, got just at- the incredible one to me, yeah. and this has been the case for three years. You and I have talked about this probably in past podcasts. Uh, the one that just jumps out at me more than anything else is just look at who not who makes. But who takes the most threes and who takes the most corner threes? And those are the teams that are winning. Yes. Yes, it is. It's called, it's called efficiency, right? Effective field goal percentage. <laughs> so, right. I mean, it I, is amazing. You, you and, would and think that makes. Fans know that. You would think that makes would override. It's actually somehow about takes that you have a team that even just creates them, um, tells you the most about them. Obviously, the. the the Rockets are, are top of that list of, you know, of who takes uh, the most and things of that nature. But the you know team that takes the most percentage of corner threes in the NBA is the Toronto Raptors. Like, what? Like, I didn't know that. Like, but you start looking through it, and that's what you find. The Spurs take the fifth most. Well, there's another one of the winners. And so, uh, you know, that it, ju- it jumps out when you start. That's percentage of threes taken, by the way. Uh, those two teams are... Raptors are fourth in the league in percentage of shots as corner threes. Spurs are seventh. You, you run through the list. It's all the all the teams you would anticipate. So if so, you're putting the Cavaliers on a vulnerability level or a concern level of three on a concern level. How about on a one to ten vulnerability level? Where would you put them? Um, as far as winning the East and getting to the finals, yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or winning the championship again? No, winning What's the, the East. Question? Winning the East. Um, you know, I, I think the East is kind of shaped up kind of sneakily to be kind of the top four teams, I think, are going to – when you get to that, that, the round of four in the East, I think it's going to be interesting. I, and I – you, so if I'm going to put a number on vulnerability, I would be a little bit higher than I probably was earlier in the year. Um, uh, you know, I'd give them a three or four there too. I, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, sneakily Toronto's kind of – you know, they were they were up there from last year when they played in the finals and they kind of fell out, but – Stinkley, Toronto's kind of gotten good. Washington, you know, obviously he's had a really good run, even though their defensive rating has been awful lately. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that portrays into the playoffs. But um, and then you got Boston, who's now obviously caught them. Um, I, I think that the East, uh, as much as everybody's focused on the West, as far as entertainment value, those top four teams in the East, I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to that second round when they they kind of get when they get matched up with each other. I think it could be fun basketball. Is there a team there? Every year, I believe there's been a team. Like I thought, Atlanta with their system would cause Cleveland problems. So they swept them. Uh, I thought Washington a few years ago, and then John Wall got hurt. Uh, so I've looked silly numerous times answering this question. Is do any of those teams match up particularly well in what they do to what Cleveland does? Um. Well, you know, I would say the two best, and I, and I don't want to discredit Washington. They've had a, they've had a great year, but. Um, I think Toronto with, you know, adding P.J. Tucker, um, you know, to be able to have some toughness and fight with LeBron and he can even fight with Kevin Love. He can play, he can guard both those guys. And 
um, and then with Serge Ibaka, and then you know Boston, you know they they've had a great year. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think for, for Cleveland, but if I had to pick one, I still think with the you know getting Kyle Lowry back and, and you know having PJ Tucker and and what they've done with that group, I I, I still think Toronto is going to give them a hard time. I, you know, Dave, are you asking me that when I pick anybody come out of the East other than Cleveland? No, um, but you know the vulnerability point, I would. I would say it's, there's a, a a better, I'm not going to say much better, a better chance now than there was if you would have asked me this in January or February. I brought up a, a – well, let me ask, on Lowry, this applies to Durant. How long do these guys need to come back from an injury to actually assimilate back into the group? Like five minutes, five games? Like is there actually an assim- – like does, does Kyle Lowry come back and they just revert back? Does Durant come back and they just revert back? What is that process? Uh, I, I, just in general, let's just say neither one of them plays in the regular season, um, and they come back in the playoffs. You know, they're, they're great players and they're all stars, so they're you know they're going to make an impact on the game, um, in my opinion. But I, I think you got to at least give them one series, you know, to get closer to full 100. percent You know, and then sometime probably in that second series, in my opinion, I'm I'm not a doctor, but I would say that you know, just kind of watching this over the years. I would say that if you get through one series with them and make an impact, but they're not the top of the game, and then sometimes they get in the second series, um, and you know you get into a groove, then I think that's when they would kind of get back close to their their full capacity. All right, my next two ones you can laugh at me for, you know, but that's the purpose of having you on is because I have stupid thoughts and this, I need someone to buffer them. This what makes it fun, David. So I watched <laughs> Portland uh, handle Denver last night, and I thought to myself, if I'm Golden State and I'm watching this film, I don't like it. Is there any like, – I don't think they could beat them. But can Portland make Golden State nervous in the first round? Well, let's put it this way. For a 1-8 uh, matchup, yes. Um, I'm with you. I don't think they can beat them. Uh, but, you know, Portland has been in the playoffs the last few years and, have, you know, have won some series. So, you know, it's not like they're a you know an up-and-coming 8 seed. They they have won series in the last few years. So they're And they have their main players who have been a part of winning series. Um, so yeah, do I think they can make it interesting? Yes. Um, you know, do I think they can beat them? No, but I think it, you know, it won't be your typical one, eight series, uh, if they're the one that, that gets in. I was bothered last year watching San Antonio play. It turned out to be right against Oklahoma city because Oklahoma city was bigger, stronger and faster at every position. If San Antonio gets to the one seed, and they play Portland, and Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili have to run around and try to guard Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Is that a bad matchup for the Spurs? Uh, you know that's a that's a good question. I, I think the size thing, then, with, with you know the the uh, one thing that uh, Portland uh, doesn't do well is uh, they haven't been a great rebounding team, and they don't guard the three. And, um, you know, I think the the size of San Antonio would bug them. I know you brought that up. Um, but I, no, I, I think Portland's a viable team. And you know, I, I, am I going to sit here and say we're going to see an eight matchup, eight uh, beat a one this year? Especially as good as those two teams have been. No. Uh, so I think you're you're trying to, you know, maybe make it a little more than it is, David. But I I do think that they're both well coached. Portland has guys that have been there. And let's put it this way: if I was number one seed, I'd much rather play Denver than I would Portland. And you'd much rather play Portland than you would Memphis, or not? Oh, Memphis is an interesting team. I, 
You know, uh, I would not. I would not have said. Uh, I would said I'd rather play Portland for most of the year. Um, Memphis is. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think Memphis is playing great right now. Um, that's a hard one. That's a good call, Dave. I haven't really thought about that one. Um, I would probably. I would probably want to play Portland. Uh, just because even with Memphis, they've had a lot of big wins against big teams this year, and I know that there's a good chance that they're going to beat me up in the first round series, and it may take a toll longer uh, than just uh, you know playing through them because they're they're a big physical team. So I probably still want to play Portland. Well, that 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 last point you just made is what I'm pointing at. The whole purpose of being a one or two seed is one, you're great. Two, you should be able to get out of your first round series without using a lot of energy preferably in four or five games while you're the other teams are going six or seven and then you're the rested group right we saw the value i think that's part of what happened in the finals last year is that cleveland was was much more had a much better kind of energy mm-hmm. use scale than the warriors by the time they got there so with that thought let me ask you this about the eastern conference because gosh only knows what the seeding five six seven eight would be if you are cleveland or boston assuming they're going to be one or two which of atlanta milwaukee Indiana, Miami, maybe even Chicago, or maybe even Detroit, is the team that you think takes the most out of you in the first round of the playoffs? Mm, that's a good question, David. I I think I would have to go with Milwaukee. Um, I think they're just kind of you – know, I think they want to be physical and they want to bang you. Uh, their length. Um, I, I think it would probably be – I think I'll have to go with Milwaukee. But having said that, I think there's, I, I think there'll be more taken out of some of the teams in the West from the bottom half of the seeds than there would be in the East. I think the East, the first round, will be relatively easy. Maybe Atlanta, if, if Paul Millsaps get back, um, which he will, you know, maybe they'll they'll be a hard out. Um, but they don't they don't really play a but like they beat you up. But they can't they could get on a run. So I didn't say Milwaukee or Atlanta, depending on the health of Atlanta. By the way, from a coaching standpoint, what is Eric Spolster doing in Miami? He gets guys to play hard and play together. <clears throat> you know, he did that way back when, you know, when they weren't good before they had all the guys. And, you know, he, he does a good job. They, they really compete and, uh, they play together and they have a, they have a collective, uh, in a different way, collective toughness about them. And, uh, and they believe he does a good job of getting guys to believe. All right. Here's my second one you're going to make fun of me for. You were polite about, <laughs> you were polite about Portland. So. <laughs> The Spurs system is incredible. What they do year in and year out is incredible. They have also lost a good deal of playoff series over the last seven years when they were the better-seeded team. They've also been to the finals twice. I got it. Is there any element where their system in the regular season makes their team look better than it actually is so that they actually in some of these playoff runs are harder than we think they would be? Um, a little, yeah, I, I wouldn't argue with that. I'm not going to laugh at you on that one. I mean, I, you know, there's, you know, they, they are, they are built on consistency and they're built on system and they, you know, they are so dang consistent and their system's so dang good. And they've been together so dang long that, you know, they, they win X amount of games in the regular season just because of that. Um, you know, so I can't put a number on it, but I, you know, it's, it, they just do, that's what they do. They win in the regular season. And, uh, um, you know, yeah, you know, I, the, the pending collapse of the Spurs has been put off for how many years now? <laughs> and just what, three years ago, they won the whole thing. Um, 
you know, because you talk about their age and whatever else. It just speaks to how great Pop is. But um, I, I can see them being vulnerable. Like I said, I, you know, if, if you get a, you know, a second-round matchup between Houston and San Antonio, wow, buckle up. That'd be – I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to see that. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm not so sure who, who would I, I would consider the favorite in that um, if they were to get to that point. So, um, you know, I could see I could see them, you know, having a hard time with Houston and um, – because you know, I think they, they're a little bit slower. I know Kawhi has changed it, and they've tried to add some athleticism. Um, but they, you know, they, they don't play as fast as they did at one point, um, even though I think that the ball moves, that, that, that hides some of it. But just their guys don't play as fast as they did, say, a few years ago. And when you play against a faster team, that's a little bit of a challenge for them. The only thing there, and this leads to the final things I have for you, Coach, is and this actually made me – has, this has kept me up at night when I try to think about who I don't have to vote, but if I had to vote for MVP, who I would vote for. Because I agree with everything you just said, but then when I think about Kawhi Leonard guarding James Harden, I decide the Spurs would win that series easily because Kawhi would just take out James Harden. And then I wonder, well, if that's the case, then why aren't I voting for Kawhi Leonard instead of James Harden for MVP if I had a vote? So with that influential bias put into the question, if you had an MVP vote, you have to list one through five. What would your vote be? Um, it would be uh, on the one line. It would be Harden and Westbrook together. You can't do that. <laughs> how do you well, how I, do you vote for Westbrook for MVP when their offense is 18th in the NBA? You can't penalize a guy for. I mean, if you look at their roster. I mean, nothing against those guys. But, you know, he's he's somewhat the uh, the lone ranger there. Actually, and, I would disagree. If he would okay. use eight less possessions a night and move them to his teammates, they would be better offensively. Maybe even ten. He doesn't need to use so thirty. He doesn't need to use thirty-three a night or whatever he's using. Thirty a night. Mm-hmm. As a coach, I would argue that a little bit with you. I, I just when you look at their roster. Um, you know, I, had, I was just I just saw them recently and watched them several times on film. If you look at the roster, he doesn't have a lot around him now. I mean, you know, Andre Robertson is not known as a scorer. Um, Stephen Adams is not a scorer. I mean, you know, you you go down the list. I mean, he he has to. I mean, I think he's doing it out of necessity. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I know that you know he he does he, he, you know dominate the ball, but this year I got to defend him a little bit. I, if they if he's not doing what he's doing, they're they're Probably not a playoff team. That might, so, you know, that I, might be true. I mean, I'm not. He's, I mean, that win against Dallas is him, right? I mean, that, when he does the amount of win, yep. and he, we've seen him twice. Will uh, Oklahoma City the wins over the Jazz that he did single handedly? Um, and so, yeah, I, I'll, I'll. I mean, and I do. I leave those games wondering, my gosh, is this how they've won every single one of their forty whatever games? Like, if that's the case, then probably um, nobody's ever led more directly to wins than he has. But I do. I don't know. I just look at him. I mean, he's below average in the efficiency in which he uses a possession every night. He's using mm-hmm. 30 scoring opportunities a game. Uh, he was more efficient a year ago. Uh, his I have pack rating was 0.5. This year it's a negative 0.2. But frankly, he was. he's never been a particularly high-level efficient player. And having Durant and maybe those. So he's gone from 21 scoring opportunities a game to 29. And I just think they'd be better off if he moved those eight around a little bit. I just, that could be wrong. I mean, I might be, yeah, I mean, you're right. Sabonis is not particularly good. Christian is bad. Cole's bad. Robertson's not great. 
He's bad offensively. Um, Oladipo's only average. McDermott's only average. Brinus is only average. But so maybe you're maybe you're absolutely right. I just I don't know. That's a lot of possessions for a below average usage of possession in my book. But, <laughs> so that's I mean that's why I wouldn't so vote for him. That's why I wouldn't vote for him number one. Frankly, right? Like okay, so oh gosh, I'm really criticizing him. I'm not voting him for the number one player in the NBA. I would probably vote for him yeah. for two or three. So let's make sure we we understand where my criticism is. All right, so you're copping out and have Westbrook, Harden. Uh, at, with a line across it, each is one, which I will let you do only because you're a guest on the show and the pay sucks. Um, so I'll let you. Actually, actually, David, I just did it to get you all started up, and it worked. Okay. So uh, well, you, I would actually go hard in number one. Okay. <laughs> I love it. And uh, um, in Westbrook, number two. But once again, recently I I got to see him. We we were you know we were, I saw him uh, in live and. Uh, I got to admit, I walked out of the arena going, "Ooh, boy, this is closer than because I I had moved towards Harden." But after watching Westbrook up close again, I walked out of the arena going, oh, my, this is a – the year he's having is just incredible. And if he didn't do what he was doing, this team um, would not be – I mean, like, like, I mean, what's his – I mean, I know they have the win share stats and all that, but, I mean, it, he's – I mean, they're not even in the playoffs if he's not doing what he's doing. So – but I would go Harden one, Westbrook two, Kawhi three, um, and then I would probably go Isaiah Thomas four and LeBron five. So LeBron's the best player in the NBA, right? How do we put him as anything other than second? You would? Or how could we? I mean, I just kind of feel like there was the years we voted Carl Malone and Charles Barkley for MVP over Jordan, and frankly, in retrospect, all of us kind of like, oh, gosh, why'd we do that? Um, you know, those guys both deserve the MVP, but there'd be something more like Mike, Michael Jordan's legacy would probably be better if he'd won the MVP every single one of those years and more appropriate to who he was as a player. I almost feel the same way about LeBron but I understand what we're watching this year. And so then I take the next step and say, well, if I'm not voting for Le- – if I, if I believe LeBron's the best player in the world, then can I really vote for him for anything other than, like, one or two on the MVP ballot? Um, yeah, it's, a, it's a fair point. And I think he, his greatness has um, – you know, we've gotten – he's made him dull maybe. I don't know. And I, maybe I'm a part of that as well um, because you take him off the Cavaliers and they're still going to win some games because they have he has good players around him. But they're not obviously not anywhere the same as – as they would be with him. So, but I just, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. Maybe right. I just, I've, he's become, uh, I don't appreciate him as much as I should. Um, but I do know that Harden, Westbrook, and Kawhi are having incredible years. And if any one of them won the MVP, uh, it would be hard to argue against it. But I don't, I don't know you could say LeBron wins the MVP this year. So I actually have gone the opposite direction with LeBron. I've actually gone to like the final stages of Jordan career with LeBron, where every time Jordan was on, I used to get the old big, huge satellite dish that was in my backyard and go to like G.722 <laughs> or whatever it was on like these old satellite dishes that like took up half your backyard and watch yeah. every Bulls game I possibly could. And I've gone there with LeBron this year. I watch every minute of Cavaliers basketball that I'm free to watch because he's the best player we've ever had in the history of the game, maybe. And I want to make sure I've seen all of it. Like, I did that with Jordan and still think I didn't. In retrospect, like, I should have watched more of him. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you used to blow off. I'm talking to myself here. Yes, I know that's weird. But, uh, you know, you used to blow. I used to blow off everything just to watch Jordan. Like, people say, you want to go out? No, I got, I got to finish watching Jordan, and then I can go out. Like, and, I, and I'm not quite there with LeBron, but I do feel like you should. we should be cherishing Every minute of basketball LeBron plays because of how great he is. All right, I'm taking you longer than I planned, which I do to every guest I've ever had on this podcast. Uh, defensive player of the year, coach of the year. Uh, I think Kawhi. That, 
that covers me in my mind a little bit because Kawhi's defensive player of the year, and I know there's some guys that have had some good years, but um, you just the impact Kawhi has. Um, and, and like I said, because I didn't vote him for MVP, I wouldn't vote him for MVP. It, it gives him his recognition there. Um, and then Coach of the Year, I, I just I, I don't know how you don't do Mike D'Antoni. Um, you know, just for you know what what they've been able to do there and that leap of faith that they took in putting the ball in James Harden's hand and playing point guard and and getting their team to play you know at least respectable defense. Um, I, I think you got got to go with D'Antoni. I and mean, there's a there's some good candidates for that one as well. But uh, um, I think I, I would have to go with D'Antoni. All right, I have a theory on coaching that I'm going to leave you with. You can just chew on for a while. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think there's about 24 awesome coaches in the NBA, like really, really good coaches in the league. And I think there's six that aren't good at all. I'm not going to say who, but I, I think there's, I think actually what's happened is that the 24 coaches that are really, really, really good in this league are exposing the other ones badly right now. I think I can I give you that. I think the coaching overall has improved a lot in the league. Right. And um, so, so those for that... For whatever reason... But... Go ahead. No, no, you finish it. You're, it's your more important what you have to say on that. No, I mean, I was going to say, for, for whatever reason it may be, you know, the, the coaches catching up to the, the rule changes, uh, whether it be coaches starting to embrace analytics more. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, I don't know, you know what, the, what the reason is, um, but there are, some, there are some really good coaches in this league right now. All right, Coach, we appreciate it. We'll have to do a playoff special at some point. Thank you very much for the time today. Always a pleasure, and thanks for being polite and not, you know, totally calling me out. <laughs> All right, Dave. It was a lot of fun. Talk to you next time. Hope you like that. NBA coach anonymously on the show. I think it's so cool. All right, if you get a chance, I really, again, appreciate it. Indochino.com, support our sponsors. Promo code LOCKED. SeatGeek, promo code LOCKED. And then if you get a chance today, podcast.study and fill that out. Thank you very much.